1: Test your luck in the
0: shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a
1: service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Hi, this is Andy West of BBC Sport and La Liga TV. You're listening to Basta Talk <laughs> Day on Barca Talk. The Champions League continues this week, and FC Barcelona are going up against Inter Milan. We have a full scouting report of Antonio Conte's side. In La Liga, Barca had to get six points out of two matches, first against Villarreal, and then Getafe. We have match reviews of both. Hey everybody, this is Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson in Buffalo, New York. Joining me from Madrid, as always, is Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. I am recovering from my belated
0: birthday party last night
1: i can hear it i can hear it in your (laughs) voice i can see it in your face but more importantly i can hear it in your voice just the the energy level is just not there and just before we started recording you were telling me about the the lack of gatorade in spain and how that's really delaying your hangover recovery
0: well, no, I'm. You know, actually, I'm not hungover or anything like that. I'm just. It was just a late night. I got. I was out till about six or so. So wow. went dancing. Yeah, went dancing. Uh, and but we started off the night by watching the Madrid derby. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, had lots of friends come by. And uh, yeah, we ended up going dancing, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, watched the match as well before I went out. And uh, yeah, it, it was a good Saturday for sure.
1: Yeah, although that game was. Little rough. I mean, a good result, I think, for us in the long run. Because I was thinking, like, really, it's a draw for them is the best result we could hope for. Because then they each just get one point. You know, like maybe it would have been a little bit better if I'd let it go. Had one, yeah. But still, then that that would they would be pulling away from Barca just that much more. It's better if they just both get one point it's for sure. Easier balances sure. everything out more.
0: It, it does. It does. But I w- I would have liked to see you know one one. Uh, just you know, a goal here and a goal there. But right. Again, yeah, it definitely helps out. I mean, we're right in the pack. Just like uh, the Raiders owner said, you know, just win, baby. You know, yeah. we just got to <laughs> we just got to keep. We're, we're back in the pack after one week, and this is what La Liga is, man. It's just a roller coaster of emotions, man. One week yeah. we're in critical crisis. This past week we got two wins, and we're kind of back in it. I mean, it's still not the best uh, looking, but you know, as we say, I always say it's a long season. And we just got to maintain the pack. So.
1: Right, right. Well, you know who is looking good is uh, FCB Femini. Yeah. Because they're now, they're on to the round of 16 in the Women's Champions League. They played Juventus. It was uh, the second leg of that tie. And that was in the uh, Johan Cruyff Stadium. They won two to one. So they got a 4-1 aggregate. So they're moving ahead in the tournament. And of course, that was right after that huge win over Atletico Madrid for them. So the the women are looking very good, playing very well, you know, beautiful football and effective
0: for sure for sure i mean i think the the two biggest changes was having ashwala being the out and right striker i mean i think that is a huge improvement for them because it it gives them a little bit of nasty do you know that like she, she is uh you know i was i was comparing her with like suarez back in the day when he was in liverpool kind of that nasty player that you don't want to play against and she just that energy just goes to the team now and the midfield is looking much better, and you know, against Atleti, they just uh, they, they didn't pull any punches. And again, good good results this week against Juventus.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm happy about that. And I think that I think that you know, as the the men's squad sort of recovers from all of the injury problems that they've been having, um, and I, I think that they're going to start looking better. You know, I'm not holding out a whole lot of hope that they're you know that it's going to look like. 2012 or anything sure. but you know 2010 2011 in there i'm I'm not expecting them to look like that but i think that they are gonna gradually sort of work back into the season and and start playing more attractive and more effective football
0: yeah i believe so i mean again we're gonna see what happens with these injuries man i mean it's really troubling you know just these all these muscle injuries maybe they have to look into getting a track coach you know to yeah <laughs> to look at this because Again, we're going to talk about that as well, but Dembele getting hurt again. And this week we talked about that they had a players only dinner. So maybe they ironed some things out, but I don't know, man, I, I still think this season as we talked about, is going to be, a, we're going to get some good results, but it's not going to be the most aesthetically pleasing football that we've ever seen. No. Nope. And we're just hoping just to be in the, in those competitions as much as possible.
1: Yeah, and I think right now that's kind of the best we can hope for because we've had such a a stuttering start Correct. to the season. Just to stay in it and and keep in it, that's I think the the best we can um, look for this year. Yeah,
0: I like that word stuttering. That's, that's yeah. like a perfect adjective for it.
1: Yeah, especially like with Messi. You know, he's yeah. he's injured at the beginning of the season. Then he comes back for a couple of late subs, and then he gets a start, and then he has to leave at the half, and and now he's out again. Dembele similarly, he starts in the first match, has to go out with an injury. He comes back, plays well, and he is with the squad for the Katafe match. Next thing you know, you know, when Valverde has to choose the lineup, they discover a thigh problem. So he's out. You know, all of these it's it's just it's a lot of stopping and starting with the players. In fact, the the degree of consistency that they've had in the midfield has been nice. Yeah. Because, you know, sure. then we all we've got Long Le getting red carded. Yeah. So now Todibo is has to play <laughs> okay. in the next La Liga match, right? Or Alba getting injured. So now that Junior is our guy. He's the only guy we have, really. Yeah,
0: yeah I was thinking not about counting Semedo. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that yesterday when Long Le got the red card. Is that you know these players only gain opportunities because of necessity rather than Valverde having the foresight or the vision to rotate and right. I, and I wonder if Longley was just like ah I'm just gonna give I need a break <laughs> 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 I'm just gonna get this red card and well we've you know yeah. we've
1: talked about sort of like strategic yellow cards yeah, yeah in that long in the longer sense where you know what is it five you get five and yeah. you know, you're suspended for a match and you know if you have a big match coming up and you're a, on three or four sure. maybe you'll take that yellow card against weaker side just to make sure that you're clear two weeks away for the big match this is a similar i mean let's let's just entertain this thought for a second i could see it or he's just like man i if he won't give me a break i'm gonna take a break
0: (laughs) exactly i mean i could see that and especially you know they're compadres too you know that's the other thing they're you know they're both french so maybe just you know helping a brother out to get some more playing time and, right, right, you know, long time, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the only reason why Fati, you know, got playing time is because of necessity. It wasn't because Valverde had this grand plan and said, "Wow, look at this amazing talent." It's because we had so much injury, you know, and it yeah. was out of that. And the only reason Griezmann played at the top was because Suarez was hurt, and it wasn't because Valverde had this grand vision of, "Oh, I'm going to use Griezmann in the proper position because we paid over $120 million. So this is this is more his you know, it's, it's putting these players in and and it happens to work. And he's like, wow. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. The, the reactivity of necessity. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to get into actually looking ahead to the Inter Milan match, uh, this week champions league, but, uh, real quick, I just want to mention this, uh, yet another t-shirt design because, you know, I went on a bit of a designing spree last week, designing this new t-shirt and a new mug, that lists all the player names of this year's squad. And that's been up on our um, Barca Talk shop, our Etsy store for a couple weeks now. And then Victor of the Houston Kool-Aid's friend of the show got in touch to suggest a t-shirt with our actual Barca Talk logo on it. And he guaranteed me that he would buy such a shirt. So I went ahead and, and drew that up. So now we do have a Barca Talk logo t-shirt in our Etsy store and if you sign up for our email newsletter, we'll send out a 10% off uh, coupon with the, with, with the newsletter. So do we have a, a mechanism for people to sign up for that at this point or, or, what? <laughs> <laughs> or what's, what? What's going on, Gabriel?
0: There's, there's two ways. You can go to our website. And if you've never visited our website, shame on you. But uh, there's a landing page or a pop-up actually that pops up where you can sign up. Or you just scroll down to the bottom. And you can uh, just drop us email. a line. Yeah, no, you, there's a button that takes you that asks for your email address and it automatically signs them up.
1: Okay, so we yeah. got a button. We have a button. Oh.
0: Thanks, MailChimp.
1: Yeah, just go to go to Barsa Talk.net, click on the the newsletter button, and then yeah, we'll send out a coupon for uh, you know a discount code for for any any of the merchandise in the shop. So we're gonna break down both of Barsa's matches from last week, first via Real from last Tuesday and getafe from the weekend. But before we get into that. Champions League is back in action this week. Your favorite song, your favorite hymn. Um, Barca's group, Group F, is uh, in a dead heat at the moment after both matches ended in draws on match day one of the group. Our first match against Borussia Dortmund ended with no goals on either side. And now Inter Milan are coming to the Camp Nou for match day two. So ahead of this match, what's on your mind?
0: I'm scared, Brian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, more because at the when we got this draw, I wasn't really concerned about Inter at the time just because I thought it was going to take Inter some time to get used to Conte. But as we were kind of wrapping a little bit before, Conte is Italian and implementing his system and the way he talks to the players and so forth is just a much easier transition when you speak in your native language, obviously, as compared to when he was at Chelsea. And uh, I was watching some of their match, their previous matches, and also just checking out their scouting report. But I guess the main thing that scares me is their tactics and their youth.
1: Mm, Yeah, yeah, they do have a lot of youth on that side right now. And they've they've made some some big money moves. Um, You know, well, of course, they're under new management this year, right? Antonio Conte, former manager of Chelsea, Italy and Juventus. He joined them and uh, he currently has them topping the Serie A table with six wins in six matches. The only match they haven't won this season was their 1-1 draw with Slavia Prague in the Champions League at home. And among those wins, there were four clean sheets too. So is is Conte running an especially defensive tactic or or what? You know, it's it's not really
0: defensive. It's If anything, he's just overloading the midfield. And I think for me, the biggest thing is, you know, Antonio Conte is such a... He only can last for two seasons because he's so emotional, right? Mm. Um, And so I think the players desperately needed this type of personality because they've only made a couple additions, right? They got Lukaku and they brought in Godin, which are really great players, you know? Um, But for me, what I've been watching with their midfield is just the aggressiveness that they've been using. So I think it's more just Conte just implementing his system and overloading that midfield with those systems that he used, and and of course, you know, he is the most. I mean, you watch him on the sideline. You know, he's he's opposite to our Mister Beige. You know, he is completely, <laughs> almost like the Incredible Hulk on the sideline, and it's very Italian, you know, quote unquote, right? Like right, really he's right. so emotional about each game, and and I it really think that reinforces the stereotype completely, completely, <laughs> and in that aspect, I think that's what they needed, and. So, you know, I think it's like I said, I would just say it's more about him motivating the team and also just implementing that system of overloading the midfield with either four midfielders or five.
1: Well, yeah, because and we do have recent experience against Inter. You know, we were in the same group last year and we got a win and a draw and Inter didn't even make it out of the group. But the personnel changes that you've mentioned, you know, they picked up Romelu Lukaku and Alexis Sanchez and they loaned out Mauro Icardi to PSG. But really, you know, their actual their biggest single threat player is Stefano Senzi. He's a center mid who is both their top goal scorer and their top assist provider. And you were speaking about the formations. You know, uh, Conte's been playing a couple of different formations, but the one really consistent feature has been a three man back line with a fully loaded midfield, either five or four, mostly erring towards uh, a three five two formation. So, what problems will a five man midfield Present to the current Barcelona? A
0: lot. (laughs) A lot. I mean, if you're just looking at numbers. Where do we begin? Yeah, where do we begin? Because just looking at the numbers aspect, you know, 5v3, right? I mean, that already is just, it doesn't matter how you've positioned those three. Inter is going to have more in the midfield. Now, I'm curious to see what we do if we continue with this 433, because if I were the coach, I would go 442 to not completely abandon who we are as Barca with midfield, you know, passing, but also you need to substitute a midfielder for this because this this is why the Champions League sometimes is so intriguing because we don't ever see a 3-5-2. Ever, no. You know, and it's going to be I mean last year against Betis, right, was maybe the only team that had it last season I believe, but uh you know, it's going to be curious with their style, their pace. I mean Conte is able to get life out of Sanchez, man. I mean, that is crazy because he was dead in the water for the last four years, and he scored yesterday. So yeah. he has them rolling right now. And the way we are so sluggish right now, just all around the in the every line that we have, we just don't have the blazing speed that we used to. I'm just hoping to get win, you know, to get the three points because we need that. But, man, it's going to be a really tough match.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like you mentioned, and obviously, uh, you know, if anyone's been paying attention, you know that Barca are having a ton of injury problems, particularly among the forwards, right? Messi is injured again, so he'll definitely miss the match. Dembele was fit, but then he was pulled out just before Hitafe with thigh problems, so he's doubtful. Ansu Fati took an injury, so he's out as well. So I, I, clearly, it seems like switching to a four-four-two would be... Uh, a, a better way to go, sure. but would adjusting to that different system create more problems than solutions? You think?
0: No, I don't think so because the four four two is kind of the first system you learn to play, so everyone kind of has that already kind of embedded in them. You know, you you just know how to. It's it's just very natural. So to me, I feel you know if we use Rakitic and we use um, you know maybe Vidal instead of Rakitic, I think. Those would be good substitutions because if anything, they're going to be more in a 4-4-2, we can still be more conservative and outlasting those five midfielders. But man, those five midfielders, the way they're playing right now, they are all over the place, pressing high, which is another issue that we continue to have, especially against like Hitafe that was surprise, surprise, pressed us high. And we still had problems. And Conte is a very, I mean, this is the other thing that Italian teams and Italian coaches, they're very tactical. Very tactical. They're always looking for tactical advantages here and there, and I'm sure they're going to p- implement all those things that they see other teams giving us problems with. High pressing, overloading the midfielder, trying to beat us on speed. And I mean, with the four-four-two, hopefully if we do that, then we'll be able to hold the line and just have everything in front of us and hopefully to have another shutout.
1: Yeah, and I think you're right, because there is, I mean, speaking of stereotypes, it's generally considered that Italian football is, like you said, tactical, mm. and the the culture, um, at least the, this is kind of like in the popular conscience, I believe, is that in Italy, system is more important than an individual. It's more important than technique. Sure. Maybe it's all about system, whereas in Spain, it's very much, there. there seems to be more interest in... The individual brilliance um, and technique on the ball and maybe a little less on system and tactical, you know, uh, precision.
0: For sure. For sure. I mean, that's usually the thing, right? Like in La Liga, the technical aspects of the players is much better, I would say, all around than any other league. The way they are able to first touch, pass and move and all those things. And like you said, Italian football has more, uh, I'm always thinking of this in Spanish, more fama, <laughs> more, <laughs> more popular in the, like you said, the system and the tactics. And, you know, it's really going to be an interesting cat and mouse because, you know, this is where, you know, Valverde has to find something special. You know, he has to get something right. I mean, he hasn't really done before. You know, when we did the Classico, his first classico, where he did the four four two and we won, that was a, you know, a really smart coaching move at that time and so hopefully he can go back to that because i would really love to see suarez and griezmann as the pairing up front i think that will be that would ultimately benefit us more and also just having more protection in the midfield because if we go out in a four three three, brian man we are going to get outrun and outpassed
1: yeah and just outmanned
0: and outmanned exactly just exactly numbers just basic exactly. math Exactly. I mean, think about, you know, they always, you know, we always say in football, like triangles, right? You always have to have triangles and in passing. And when we were at our height with Tiki Taka, that's what was the brilliance is the movement. There was always triangles and small triangles everywhere all the times. And now it's really difficult to find those triangles because of our midfielders that are not coming to the ball as much. And also the passing lanes are too great. And so that makes it really difficult. So imagine in this match, if we're in a 4-3-3 and Busquets comes out, he's going to have two guys in front of him. And he won't have anyone to pass to. Then he's going to pass back to Ter and Ter Stegen is going to bomb it up the front, and then we lose possession. Right. And so we're going to play right into their right into their uh, system, basically. And so we have to be aware of that. And hopefully, Valverde does go to a four four two or do something different to counteract this five midfield of Inter.
1: Yeah. So going into this, it's uh, it's not. Uh... <laughs> It's scary. Not man. feeling super optimistic. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, but you know, but at the same time, you know, we could could get a win out of this, and for sure. you know, there's no reason why we wouldn't root for one. And, of course, of course. Be, you know, and expect one, but we know that it's going to be hard. For sure.
0: I mean, I, I look at the matchup of Lukaku against our center backs. I think that's going to be really interesting because he's nasty, man. He is. He's all over the place, man. He is physical. Mr. Lukaku if you're nasty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is just – he's good, man. I remember, you know, obviously watching him in Premier League. But more importantly, I just remember his performance in the World Cup against the United States where he just manhandled the United States. And we're not used to playing this type of forward, you know, such a physical specimen. So it will be interesting to see how Longley and PK handle that. And also, you know, Godin is on the team and he's going to have a great scouting report. On barca for them so that's another thing to think about
1: if you're listening to us on apple podcasts take a minute to rate the show and if you have an extra minute please leave a review no matter how you listen though remember to subscribe or follow the show so you can always stay up to date with new episodes next up is our match review of the Villarreal match but we have to take a moment to give the guard of honor to our patrons we want to thank these folks for throwing a few bucks our way each month. So thanks to Catherine Henkel, Emily Tichich, Jason Reuter, Kathy Corbin, and for the first time, another podcast has chosen to support us. It's called Slide, the Avalanche podcast by Doug Krause. So thanks to all of you for your support. We have you to thank for a lot of the positive strides that we've made on this show. Now for the Villarreal match review. This is an edited version of the review from our episode that went out last Friday for our patrons. For the full review and all of our full midweek match reviews before the weekend, you can become a patron for just five bucks a month and receive the guard of honor yourself. Now, here's the match review. All right, well, let's shift over to talk about the the Tuesday match against Villarreal. This was match day six in La Liga at the Camp Nou, and the result was a two-one win, uh, leaving Barca at fifth on the table with ten points. Just to run down the key stats, this is a little bit mind blowing. Barca only had 57% possession, which is very low. And I didn't even really feel like it was that low, but it was. Uh, eight shots, four on target versus Villarreal's 11 shots, but only three. And the pass accuracy was, was pretty good, high 80s. And there were a lot of firsts in this match. It was the first start for Messi, although now he's injured again and he came out at halftime. It was the first full 90 minutes for Arthur. It was the first time I've seen Valverde conferring with an assistant during the match, and I was really hoping that this was going to be our first clean sheet in La Liga, but we're still waiting on that clean sheet.
0: Yeah, so let's let's break down the first one. So the first start for Messi, so that was great, but obviously got injured again. He injured his adductor, uh, so it's completely unrelated to his calf, different leg. And I don't know if you could see on the replay was the way he kind of bent down and accelerated up again. Um, So the adductor muscle, Brian, is just it's really the pulling of your leg. So basically, it's for shooting and passing. That's where you're really going to feel it. Mm. They said here, I've, you know, in the news today in Spain, they were saying that it's going to be seven days. But then I also saw on Twitter just before we recorded that it could be up to October 19th. So just depending on the recovery. So uh, he's definitely going to miss... The inter match and most likely the Sevilla match So we'll see what happens with that so Well we we, we never know Right this is the thing it right. could be up to that Because the, the Inter match is October twelfth Or October 2nd so we'll see how he Recovers
1: right. um, <laughs> Sorry there's just an image I, I can't get out of my Head because I was watching the I watched the match of course sure. and then I also Watched the highlights and on On the club's highlight reel Which is you know about a minute 40 seconds It's got all the goals naturally mm-hmm but it also has uh, a brief clip of the play where Messi hurt himself mm-hmm. and then there's a clip of Messi getting this this very high thigh massage yeah. <laughs> on the sidelines and he, just the look on his face yeah yeah i if i could i could watch a, a gif of that for a while <laughs> as as a as a physio as a physio is vigorously massaging correct, correct. yeah he's grew pretty- up up in that area and he's just with his hands on the grass just sort of looking around like yeah yeah this is normal yeah yeah, yeah. and i understand it is i know yeah. it is normal and i, I get it but yeah <laughs> if just you take face. that image out of context for sure for sure cracks me up yeah, yeah uh yeah it's unfortunate
0: and it's funny because when i was watching the match the sideline reporter noticed that, that he was on the sideline immediately so yeah. uh that kind of um you know it's unfortunate because you know he just has not been able to get consistency and consistent playing time the other thing too 90 minutes for arthur hip hip hooray man oh my gosh what a difference when he plays i mean he is what we i mean we need him desperately this season just to for our passing alone you know because you saw his passing the way he just controls and keeps it i know the stats don't really show the high possession as we normally would say maybe but at the same time, I just really enjoy watching him and just seeing his tempo going in and out. Um, that is pretty funny that you saw Valverde confer. I was thinking about that the other day because he never talks to anybody, as we talked about.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so I took notice of it when they, when the camera, well, when they cut over to him and he was talking with one of his assistants. I'm like, wow, it, I wonder what they're talking about. Maybe they're making dinner plans. I,
0: you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, after the match, let's get some Kanyas. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I don't like that place. Let's, uh, let's try yeah, this yeah, other yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: and the other thing, too, is obviously we still don't have that clean sheet. And to me, that is still, you know, as we talked about the last, especially the first season with Valverde, that is one thing he brought that we had a better kind of defensive mentality, I thought. And we just haven't had that. And Brian, I just don't know if it's just lack of intensity or just lack of you know especially with our veterans they're really just preserving themselves and that is being shown on defense you know for example like with PK Busquets that type of thing maybe they're just not able to get to each ball because they're preserving themselves and they're older and they're older you know like I, I asked a person on Twitter someone asked me they said uh is it because our players are getting old or what do you think and I said well the age has a lot to do with it because if you watch Ajax last season Against Real Madrid in that four three three, it was crazy to see how much energy they had, how well they played together. But mostly, there's their youth, and we used to have that, but we had that eight years ago, <laughs> right. you know. And now it's just it's just a natural progression. So, those are the things I'm hoping that you know with rotation of the midfield that will be better defensively sound.
1: Yeah. Well, also you know the the goal that. Villarreal scored it was Santi Casorla just sort of like kind of pulling a rabbit out of his hat I mean it was it was a very well set up goal uh he was he was further out the way that the defense was set up they weren't prepared for him to to shoot in that moment and so that could be more that's not necessarily a fitness thing that's that might be more of a a tactical thing but also he just he just let it rip and it was such a, a good shot it was very hard to deny Overall, though, because we talked about how shambolic the team looked against Granada overall, including Semedo, the the defenders looked on point and energized and focused in this match overall. And I thought that the that PK and Longley still they did a good job. And the one goal that Villarreal did score was almost um, a little bit phenomenal because it was it was something special from Casorla. You think it was a special goal? I thought I mean it was it was it was unexpected the just the fact that he shot um I mean maybe he shouldn't have had the space that he had
0: Yeah for sure I mean I think it was more like you said a surprise shot because Ter Stegen put a hand on it and when you look at the actual shot it's it's up the middle so it wasn't like it was to the side but also it had a lot of swerve to it as people here on Twitter were saying uh did they bring back the Jubilani ball from the World <laughs> cup in 2010 remember when that thing was like a yeah like it a used to knuckle. Ball? yeah exactly it knuckled a lot so I mean I, I'm talking more about the whole uh last performances but yeah you're right it's 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 something magical that he was able to pull off with that shot and kind of catch her sagan off um again I I what did, what did you think about furpo's performance coming back from oh, this
1: way better way better I mean he looks so much more comfortable he was uh, you know his speed was really prevalent he made a lot of great decisions he made I think good defensive moves he didn't he didn't furp anything <laughs> you know he really he looked more like senior furbo. yeah for sure I mean
0: I thought you know I was very interested to see how he was going to perform coming back you know being benched at halftime essentially from the last game and um yeah, I was I was pleased with his performance because he didn't screw up. And he definitely had some really good plays, some positive plays where he came on attack. And also, he's a lot faster than I thought he was on a couple times. And so, yeah, so that's a really good sign because I would rather have him play there because he's a natural left back. And if he can gain that confidence and just be, you know, plug that area for us. Uh, until we get Alba back, I think that'll be a really positive because then we can have some on the right and just have him on the right and concentrate on the right side
1: right and I would really I mean once Alba is fit again, I would really like to see uh, an almost even distribution between the two of them you know really let Furpo get get time and come up in the squad get even more comfortable and more confident. Meanwhile, you know give Alba some rest because he's I mean I'm surprised that it took this long for yeah. Alba to sustain an injury with all the minutes he played last season and now starting this season. I mean, it was, it was inevitable.
0: For sure. For sure. Especially like depending, like let's say these co- past couple of weeks we were playing midweek, I would love to see a two for one rotation where Alba's playing two and then Firpo one type of match type of thing. Sure. Uh, you know, I think that would really help us with that. Um, again, we've been kind of dissecting Suarez's performance what was he doing out there? I mean, I felt like we were playing a man down out there.
1: Again, yeah. Again, a man down.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was slow to react. He could not make correct passes. Uh, the worst part, too, is when he does those dummy runs and it goes into the defense. It's kind of the cherry on the topping of his performance, you know, because you're just like, just shoot the ball, you know?
1: And But when it works, it's really yeah, cool. Yeah, I know. That's the thing, you know? That's the thing. Uh, Plus, like at this point, his teammates must know of course. that there's a very high likelihood he's going to dummy those passes. So you've got to be coming in behind him. Of course, of course.
0: Um, again, his back pressing was non-existent. You know, he was not pressing as hard as he normally does. Um, the other thing, too, was for me, again, just his movement. He's just not making those runs, and he's too static. And that just makes it always easy for the defense to guard him.
1: Sure. Yeah, and that's why we need Griezmann to be the the number nine. I mean, did you notice when Griezmann switched over as the top
0: point, immediately the passing picked up. We almost got a goal where he almost found Fatih on that kind of flip pass over the top to Fatih. And also, you know, with Griezmann, he just knows how to play that position. I mean, he's just younger, and that's the fact, you know, and... He's faster, stronger—not stronger, but faster, quicker—and he's just a better passer, and that's what we need right now. So going forward, he definitely needs to start. And he, also, he had an opening goal. So what do you think of that goal of the of the corner?
1: Oh, it was—it was—it was, yeah. it was, uh, it was uh, exciting. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the right adjective for it. I think it was well. It it was it was definitely a surprise for yeah. me because I thought, oh, I mean, it's a it's a, like a, a desperate attempt almost because you know you're trying to like guide the ball into goal mm. off kind of the top of your head yeah. as you're fading back i mean it's very low probability and then you know it got a little bit of help from the crossbar sure so yes it was it was delightful how about that <laughs> oh
0: that's good i like that i'm
1: gonna go with delightful i mean again i just love that it wasn't a short corner
0: You know, right. And and Griezmann, one thing that he is underrated on is his heading. For being a short guy, he's really good at those heading. He's not afraid to go for that. And to do that type of flick, Brian, is really difficult because usually you're going to sky it. (laughs) You're just going to fly right off the top of your head. And he had really good control on that. Again, I, like I said, I want to see him at the point. And, you know, going forward, my trio, my dream trio right now, as of today, you know, with injuries included and everything, is Fatih on the left. Griezmann and Dembele. Your thoughts. Yeah.
1: Cuz then you've got a lot of speed and uh-huh. a lot of intensity coming down the wings and you've got Griezmann coming down the center.
0: For sure. And that's the thing with Fati, right? I mean, with Fati and Dembele, they're both losing the ball still at a high rate, you know? But the thing that I appreciate is that at least they're taking chances. And to me, that's kind of what we need because the last thing I want to see is continuing to hold the possession at the edge of the box with nothing happening. And I know that it's not the Barcelona principle way to do that, right? We're trying to always hold the ball so that we can get a better shot. But I think now we're kind of in transition. And Fatih, when he comes into the game, you can just see the energy of what he brings. But also it's two things. It's Fati coming down. I mean, every time when he squares up that defender, you're just like the defender, you can just tell is so nervous because he doesn't know if he's going to go left or right or yeah. right, or left, right? And that just opens up for Griezmann, and that has the more dangerous potential for our attacking.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean, especially like once once Dembele came on, I thought, okay, he's coming back from injury. These are his first minutes. Uh, it was encouraging to see he was on the bench. You know, you know there's a chance he wouldn't have played, uh, depending upon how the game was going. But when he did come on, I, w- I was like, okay, you know, let's get him out there. You know, just don't. You know, don't be a hero. <laughs> <laughs> just, just stretch your legs. Yeah, get involved, and almost immediately he's outrunning fullbacks. He's getting into space. He's making passes. I thought he. I mean, he almost immediately looked like exactly the how he was when he left off.
0: I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we we see the potential. He's a gazelle out there, man. I mean, on the first movie, took the guy to the line. Yeah, <laughs> he just beat yeah. him, and you just. Again, you know, everyone is debating about, you know, whether we should keep him or sell him, but this is the potential, right? I mean, to have him on the right wing with so much speed. I mean, you have speed on now, you know, with that trio, we now have speed on both sides, and Griezmann can do the work in the middle. Man, that is a potent trio, trio, you know, and again, I really, really hope that Dembele manages his leg and he does that well so that he can continue to play because I want, you know, as an attacking player, myself that i love to see this i want to see him on the pitch as much as possible
1: yeah yeah and well speaking of um well i don't know if we were talking about this or not but i'm just going to shift and talk about the second goal from arthur yes do it what a shot yeah and well i mean it does tie into what we were talking about with the forwards because when arthur sort of comes comes forward and he serves as the point man for Fatih and Dembele to both play it back. And they can rotate the ball. They can maintain possession that way. And like you said, they are still giving up the ball more than than we might like, but at least they are taking risks. They are taking chances. But when Arthur comes up and he's in this space, he's in a great position to, to playmake, and we know how well he can do that. But then he also took the opportunity to set himself up. I mean, the way he set himself up for that, yeah. Was brilliant. And then the shot was brilliant as well.
0: For sure, for sure. I mean, again, happy to see him get his first 90. That's huge, right? Because we had never seen that. But he is so vital to our midfield. He gives us the tempo that we need. But also he holds the ball in the correct position to make attacking plays. And now he's starting to get more confidence where he's starting to put the ball better and through through balls. So that's just another element of his game that's going to improve. And now You know he's had two goals already this season so he has the talent to shoot from outside the box which is great because now in the scouting report that you get now you're going to see oh Artur right Uh, quick passing tempo quick movement and now shoots from outside the box with accuracy because that's two goals right and so now players are going to press up on him so now you have more space behind that row and that's going to give more chances for Griezmann or whoever's playing up the middle and again I just love watching him play because like I told you, Brian, to do what he does at any level of football, of just the way he holds it and does the pirouettes and stuff, is really difficult. And the fact that he's doing this in La Liga against professionals that are expecting what he's going to do, and he can still do it, is very impressive. I think he has a bright career, and I really, really want to see him more consistently in the starting eleven.
1: Oh, absolutely. And when you, when you think about that space that opens up when the defenders are going to start to press him and his ability to turn them and get out in front of them now, now you've got the space, that's going to just open up so many great scoring options. For sure.
0: I mean, now he
1: he's a type of player that can take a defender one-on-one either through that
0: 360 move or quick pass give-and-go. And with that, that puts the defender on skates, right? Because as we talked about, when an attacker becomes one dimensional, it's very easy to defend. And if you, you know, usually the scouting report on bar says they will not shoot outside the box. And so that makes it really difficult or easy to defend and be compact. But now, with these kind of goals that we are, have, our tour has been able to score from outside the box, hopefully that'll open that up a little bit. And then also on top of that, Fati on the left wing now, going left and right. And then you have Dembele with the speed. All of a sudden, the defense has to really be focused for the full 90.
1: Become a patron of Barca to get an enhanced listening experience. Double the weekly episodes, no calls to action, like this one, and no commercials, plus bonus content, all for $5 a month. Find a link in the notes for this episode, or go to the support page at barcetalk.net to sign up for the patron experience. Alright, we're back, and now we're going to get into the Getafe match review. This was uh, La Liga, match day 7, at the Alfonso Pérez... It was a win, Uh, 0 for Getafe, 2 for Barcelona, 2-0 win, our first clean sheet of the year, and Barcelona stay alive in La Liga. They reached second place for at least a couple hours, but, you know, still competitive at this stage with 13 points. And, you know, after that just shambolic performance against Granada, at the beginning of last week, Valverde admitted to the press that the team needed to get six points out of last week and then they got the job done on Tuesday against Villarreal but they were on the road against Getafe and as we have noted on the podcast Valverde's away record has been poor overall and particularly poor at the beginning of this season and we so we were really hoping for an away win and a clean sheet and we weren't disappointed so that was that was nice some of the key stats on this um a little bizarre right um 61% possession for Barca but Ten shots, six on target against Hatafe's eight shots with only one on target and, you know, decent pass accuracy. So that, I mean, that possession number, it's about what you'd expect, honestly, because we knew going into this that Hatafe were going to be physical, they were going to be pressing us and they were going to be, you know, chipping the ball away from us as much as they could. And they had a lot of good spells, particularly in the first half.
0: For sure. I mean, like you said, remember, we had the goal of getting that shutout and I'm glad we got that because you know, we just need a win right now. I mean, I don't really care right now how we do it. We just have to just get the points and we're able to get the six points this week. So, and again, I was worried too because the four o'clock vaunted kickoff time, like that is the most difficult thing. And also it was really hot in Hitafe. I mean, they even had the official uh, cooling break as well was implemented. So that just tells you how hot it was. And yeah, it was, you know, overall it was average performance, I would say. But I just think, you know, there's a couple trends that we can see that are leading to victories, and I think the first thing is just the consistency of having that starting three midfield.
1: Yeah, so that midfield that was Arthur, Busquets, and De Young, which you've have listed as your top midfield trio.
0: Yeah, especially if we're playing the four-three-three. I think that our tour is incredible. I I man how many times did he get hacked yesterday? I, I would have lost my mind because every time he had the back to the player, the player was nipping at his ankles and so forth, and he didn't lose his cool. I have to give him so much credit for that because I mean, a couple of times he almost you know pushed the player away. But for me, it's our tour starts, we win.
1: Right. <laughs> this yeah. Season. I, mean, I mean, that's
0: really what it comes down to because you know all the things that he does so well for us by keeping that ball, even though our possession wasn't as high as it normally is, but – you know, him holding on the ball and making the right decisions. He's, he's so important to our season.
1: Yeah. And there were a lot of giveaways and that's, you know, a lot of turnovers and that's what caused the, the not so great possession numbers, but I'll bet, I mean, I haven't looked at this, but I'll bet if you were to look at just Arthur's possession numbers, Mm. that would be great. It would be like high eighties, nineties, even.
0: For sure. I mean, he is, like I said, for me, he, 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 I, I cannot not see Xavi in him. You know what I'm saying? Like the way he...
1: It's very easy to make these
0: comparisons. It is. I mean, when I watch him, just the way he moves with the ball. And like I tell you, Brian, the way he's able to hold the ball that way and just keep away from people, I mean, it's so difficult because the ball can spray from you and so forth. And he just, he has an ease of him that is just really just amazing to see. Because for me as a player, like, you know, obviously I can keep away from a certain amount of players, but not every player, right? And... He's not the most physical, like he's not the tallest. He's not the strongest. And those guys could not get the ball away from him.
1: No, he just, he knows how to, how to position himself, how to position his feet, how to stay over the ball, get, you know, make sure that he's in between the opponent and the ball and, and his touch is, is fantastic. And just, and we've talked about this before his ability to turn, to turn players. You know, so he, he does have that similar pirouette move that Chavi had.
0: Yeah, the way he's able to move. Uh, and also, like you said, just to keep the, you know, the players at bay. But again, it's also the tempo at the way he moves. You know, I think that gives the energy to our midfield as well so that we can uh, string an attack and look actually like we're going to try to score a goal.
1: Yeah. Now, there's one issue about the lineup that I thought was a little bit strange, mainly because of... The squad that Valverde took to Madrid and then the lineup that he chose because he had Semedo and Musawage both on the squad and then they both started on the bench. Valverde went with Sergio Roberto at right back instead of either of them. And that did seem a little bit strange to me, but I was wondering, do you think that the last minute exclusion of Dembele had anything to do with that? Or do you think that was the plan all along? It's like, why bring two right backs or three right backs really? and put two of them on the bench
0: yeah I think it was because of the Dembele last minute thing because it's just to stick someone in because technically you could if there was an emergency you could put Wagu at at, you know midfield if you absolutely needed to so I think his flexibility there but yeah I think it had to do with Dembele's uh, last minute exclusion
1: on the on the squad yet another strange (laughs) strange thing but yeah it might have been just one of those another response to necessity sure, right sure they brought Dembele they thought he'd be able to play and then it just turned out that he he wasn't uh, he wasn't up for it um now Ter Stegen once again our greatest savior right I mean we got the clean sheet which was fantastic but and that wasn't only his doing but his saves came when we really needed them and he provided Suarez with the assist for the opening goal I mean, you know my, my love for Ter
0: Stegen. I mean, he's yeah. the best, man. He So I was watching a video before we came on, and he he was bringing up this topic about the debate that there has been about who's going to take over FC Barcelona when Messi goes, right? You know, we're trying mm-hmm. to find the captain or this type of, is it going to be the Barca of Griezmann? Is it going to be the Barca of Dembele? And he's like, you know, in fact, who's been our best player this season? Like all, all around, and it's Ter Stegen. For what he does, I mean, he's the top three goalkeeper in the world. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you right. watch what he does uh, physically, the skills that he can do shot. But, again, his passing ability is remarkable. On this goal, Brian, he – I mean, where do you start? He chests the ball down, right? He squares it. He uses his weaker foot, which is his <laughs> left, rails off a long ball like on a dime to Suarez, And and you got to give Suarez a lot of credit because that is not an easy finish on how he did it. And he was able to chip the goalkeeper with a nice finish. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, as we talked about Suarez's performance and his speed lately and so forth. But those are the moments, again, where he can just whip that out out of nowhere because he's such a talented forward at number nine and so he was it and i would tweeted it as soon as he scored the goal i was like okay you can take him out now he got you the goal let's <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> because i think at that point what was it like the 30th minute or so or something like that it's, or I, I don't remember the time but um you know again terstegen again with the clean sheet the, he he made the necessary saves but he has been consistently our best player from the first game on
1: yeah that's true he's the only one who i have zero beef with <laughs> right i mean I even no my reason. favorite players. i i it's just been such a a difficult start to the season sure. that even my favorite players i can say like well you know you did yeah <laughs> didn't yeah, do this sure. very well made this mistake i mean i'm fine with it i'm just saying but with ter Stegen, man he's just been he's just been so on his game all season already yeah
0: and after the match you know they do the post match on the field and he was giving the interview and the the reporter is like Wow, what an assist, you know, would you have anything to say? He's like, yeah, he's like, I was just trying to clear it. And I saw Suarez and it was kind of a bit of luck and a bit of, of just seeing the space. So he was, he was trying to put it there. But at the same time, he he just said it was luck. So again, trying to be modest and so forth. But yeah, he, man, he's, he's awesome. I mean, like yeah. you said, no beef, he's been the best player by far for our team, consistent. And also just, you know, it's amazing to me that he's still not getting recognized, not only in Germany, but really worldwide. Because when you think of goalkeepers, most people, most, you know, uh, the shows that I listen to will always name, you know, EPL, uh, goalkeepers first, all block you know gets talked about as well but and right, so yeah yeah for sure for sure and uh, but I you know Ter Stegen for me he's been such a great revelation ever since he's come
1: He's easily I think you said it uh, in a previous episode right easily one of our best transfers of the last 15 years for sure for sure we'll pick up on that and get into some more points about the Hatafe match in just a moment so coming back to the whole um, issue of injuries and lack of resources in forwards You know, it really looked to me like Carlos Perez might have been back at Barca B full-time because, you know, Messi had come back, Dembele was returning to fitness, but, you know, the, uh, the injury gods gave Perez another chance on the first team, and actually this Getafe match, I believe this was his best game yet of the season, you know, and strangely, he was most threatening in the second half when he was working inside more, not when he was out wide, which is where he's been positioned most of the time, and even Furpo's goal came from the rebound off of a Perez shot that was right down the middle.
0: I mean, yeah, I would say it was one of his better performances. Again, he he's a natural in the system because he's been playing it all his life, essentially. And again, you see the difference, you know, if we compare, you know, him with Rafinha at the beginning of the season playing in a wing position, you can say, you know, he pushes out wide. And like you said, he came back inside To try to make more opportunities. But what I, for me, what I really enjoy watching him, you know, he's, he still has a lot to learn, obviously, but just that he's looking to take a shot. And I would say that was one of my knocks against Pedro when Pedro was playing that he didn't look to shoot all the time when I think he could have been a little bit more greedy to try to get goals. And, you know, with this forward, you know, that's why we need forwards who take shots because you need to even the payload, right? You know, you can't just depend on Suarez and Messi. And if you, you know, let's say in a season and he was our starter, let's say Perez was our starter. If he could give us 10 to 20 goals a season, that's huge, you know, because then that's really helping the payload with that. And you're not so dependent on Messi. Uh, Again, like you said, I think it was one of his better games. And he showed, and maybe it had something to do with the, the weather, because I think the weather didn't affect him like it did some other players.
1: Right. Well, because he's young and Exactly. He's I don't know, properly hydrated and he's got all of his <laughs> electrolytes.
0: <laughs> exactly. I mean that's I mean, the thing is, you know, with this with the heat at the four o'clock game, I mean it's it's you could see in the second half that was sapping some of our, our players' energy a little bit, but Perez kind of stuck it up. And also with that shot that he had, it was on the top of the edge of the box. It cleared the traffic and really bad defending on Hitafi on that goal on Furpo, but it was really good to see Furpo react and get that goal. And it was yeah. just a nice, it was a nice uh, conclusion. That was the Guillermo set, you know, the yeah. goal of the match. So, yeah.
1: What did you think of of Junior in this match?
0: Yeah, definitely much improved. I mean, the thing is, like I said, you know, with his performance, his first performance, obviously was really sketchy, but I wanted to see more. I thought, you know, there's a reason why they signed him. He has experience and we need him because as we talked before, I would rather have him play left back than Semedo, for example. But right. I definitely think, you know, the thing for me is, He's not making mistakes. He was definitely more active and he's finding his footing. And for me, that's a good sign. But again, he didn't allow mistakes and there wasn't really that much attacking that he was being left vulnerable against. And so that to me is a good sign because Hitafe didn't really have that many opportunities and they mostly came off of uh, dead balls or corner kicks.
1: Yeah, and I think that I'm I'm looking at him a little bit differently because of that error he made against Granada. That like when I'm watching him, I mm. tend to get maybe a little hypercritical because in this <laughs> match, I think he didn't play at quite as well as he did against Villarreal in terms of giving up the ball and bad touches and that sort of thing. I think he had a few more of those in this match, but also uh, I think I'm like I'm not being very charitable to him, but <laughs> be, yeah. because he made that one error, I'm constantly looking for for those, those furps in his, in his game. And, you know, he had a couple, but it's, it, it's good. And I think he's, he's doing well, uh, filling in for Alba. And I think that even once Alba is fit, we mentioned this last week, even once Alba's fit, we, I think we should see a regular rotation between the two. Sure. of Sure.
0: I mean, this is the thing I want to see him after, you know, five to 10 games to really analyze what's going on. You know, it's still, there's only his, you know, second and a half game basically. Right. And, you can still see that he still has that in the back of his mind that he could be pulled off at any minute and i don't like that that for him because what's the use you know like we need him to play for alba for a couple more games so just let him play let him you know let him figure it out he's he's a decent enough player i'm not saying he's going to take over alba's uh, position going forward at all. I'm just saying he's just a sub and you just have to treat it as a sub and hopefully he doesn't make too many mistakes that'll lead directly to goals. But I think overall that he's fine. He's, he's doing okay. You know, it's not the. I, again, I would rather have him play there than Sergio Roberto or right. Samedo. Right, so. exactly.
1: And if you think long-term, like at this point, I think it's still too early to to tell, but right now, what are you thinking in terms of like maybe next year, him, really stepping up into that role and you know Alba maybe stepping back or leaving you know maybe next year or the year after.
0: Yeah, I mean I think that's definitely possible, but I also think that you know Barca will try to go after a high price left back if they have the opportunity. But again, it all really depends on how this season works out. Maybe if if Alba continues to be injured, let's say, and it gives more opportunity to Firpo, then basically they can consider that a tryout for him because if he can Find his footing and improve and just be a better left back then that would be the best for Barça because then they don't have to go find another high priced left back and they have someone that is used to the system and used to playing with those guys,
1: yeah, and I think I'm starting to realize that i'm I'm much more interested in just trying to like do the best with what we have, sure, and I know that you know whenever there's a transfer window, it's your time to do business and you know, make the best moves you can for the club. But, and I think I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be a very good sporting director or, <laughs> <laughs> or a good manager because I'm always more interested in like, well, okay, what do we have and how can mm-hmm. we get the most out of what we have now? And maybe that's not the best approach, but that is always where my mind goes. Is like, well, we have Junior. And before him, we had Dina. Yeah. And he wasn't, he wasn't bad. And the more yeah. he played, the better he did. Sure. Why don't, why not just invest in that because we have him for sure, rather than constantly going shopping for a new left back or something. Yeah. Meanwhile, not going shopping for a right back.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're we're fine there. We're fine. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's well, the I thing guess because is... we have three apparently.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the
0: thing. Like we, with left back, like we like you said with the Cucorella, with uh, with um, Digne, for example. We had those players that were really could have been really good sub players. And again, I, you know, depending on when Alba comes back, I would love to see rotation, but you know that's not going to happen. So Firpo has to take advantage of this opportunity and time that he can give Valverde confidence to put play him later on the season, that he can do it, you know, because as long as he doesn't furp it, he should be okay. <laughs> he should be okay for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you brought up Cucurella, you know, speaking of which, you know, he is only on loan to Getafe from Barcelona. Do you, I th- I feel like he's maturing a lot at Getafe. He matured a lot in his previous loan spells. Sure enough. And he's, you know, he's like, what, 21, 22? Yeah. So he could be another good option moving forward.
0: I would love to bring him back. I mean, I think he is a good player. I think he's a really good uh, sub player. I don't think he's going to be a superstar by any means. He's definitely got a lot of playing time and experience in the last two to three years, especially last season with Ibar and so forth. And you saw yesterday, he plays not scared. And I was watching him and he looked pretty decent, you know, for to be a sub um, Barca. And I think I would love to bring him back because, again, for if we're just talking money sense, I think it's a really good value. And we can use that money for other things like paying our fine against Atletico Madrid.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs>
1: Now, um, also in this match, uh, we were we were two goals up, 2 nothing. It was the 82nd minute. The game was more or less won. And then Longley was sent off with a second yellow. And normally, it sort of bugs me how late Valverde puts in his substitutions. But it worked out this time because it meant that he still had a sub left. And he was able to put Totibo on for Perez to shore up the defense for the last few minutes of the game and these were Todibo's first minutes of the season four of them officially four minutes PK and Longlay have played 720 and 712 minutes so maybe Todibo actually played 8 minutes but apparently the official stat is four so a little kind of a strange moment from Longlay but um you know 8 minutes for Todibo so that's cool
0: <laughs> yeah i mean I, I was thinking about this before we recorded. Why do we love the backup quarterback you know, so much? <laughs> you know, I, I what is this feeling? Because you know, we've only seen Tony a couple of times, but we've been I feel like we're the biggest supporters of him to get playing time. You know, and 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 it's nothing because we saw him growing up or anything like this. Just we know we've seen a couple. You know, games of him, and we're like, okay, we want to see a little bit more, right? Yeah. But we've been we've been campaigning this whole season to get him more minutes, and again, like we said, out of necessity, right? <laughs> Longley getting a red card, and oh, now I can, you know, Tody was like, now I get to go in the game, and it's um, just lucky so, that he was on the bench. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I wonder in this moment too if Longley just wanted to get a break, you know, right. because, <laughs> like you said, he's been playing all that time. Again, the last tackle for me was foolish, lazy. There was no gain. Unnecessary. I, mean, was all the way, I know. What was he doing all the way up on the sideline? Like, those are things to me that, again, positionally, we still need to work out things like that on our defense. Because, again, as I always say with tackles by center backs and fullbacks, is what is the gain? If you're going to go down to ground, you better be trying to save that goal, spreading out. But if you're going for a tackle, What's the gain? Are you going to win the ball? Is it a direct? Is the goal going to be a direct result of that? And in this position, it wasn't. He was so far from goal. If the guy wins the ball, nothing that was going to happen. So I wonder if this was just him taking a professional break.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Or you know, it might have just been the heat getting to him and just the minutes getting to him, and it was just um, a, a mistake.
0: Yeah, you know, like an honest I mean, mistake. For sure. For sure. But you know, at the same time, it's. I don't want to sound so cruel, but it wasn't that hot that it's it's making these these hard decisions. I mean, I don't know if you've been watching. Yeah, we're not saying
1: he was getting the vapors.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know if you've been seeing the the World Track Championships that are happening in Qatar right now. Mm, No, that they have to do every event at like three o'clock in the morning because it's thirty-four degrees at three o'clock in the morning there. (laughs) That they just had. And that's the the next World Cup we have to look forward to. Exactly, and they just had the. The uh, marathon last night and 28 people dropped. Oh, <laughs> so that's hot. Yeah, so that, yeah. that's hot, right? Now, yes, it was hot here in Madrid, but it wasn't that hot compared to Qatar and stuff. So, again, I for me, I don't know if this was a professional break, but I'm glad that it's going to necessitate Totibo getting playing time. So, here's my question to you, Brian Do you think Totibo gets playing time against
1: Inter? Um, Hang on. Is this me or is this Valverde?
0: Uh, You.
1: Okay. He has to have at least some playing time against Inter because you need to, you know, just get him some time out on the field. You know, get warmed up and get more dialed into the system to prepare for the next match that he's going to have to play. For sure. If you're Valverde, though, maybe not. Yeah.
0: If if it was not Inter and the way they're playing right now with that momentum that they have... I would have taken a chance to go with boat just to say, okay, you're going to play Inter and then you're going to play Sevilla and then we have break and then you have your time and so forth. But I think obviously with Valverde being so conservative and the way that Inter's playing that he just feels most comfortable with Longley and PK playing back there.
1: Yeah. All right. So let's close this up with the final final talking point, which was the Suarez performance. What's what's your estimation (laughs) of Suarez in this game? So I was
0: trying to come up with a good adjective, and I think I came up with a perfect one. Mm. Lumpy. Yes.
1: <laughs> That's his new nickname, Lumpy yeah.
0: Suarez. I mean, he definitely had one of his – you know I would say this was his best performance of the season so far and, and just the way he moved and the shots he was taking and so forth. But he's still just lumpy out there. I was super hyper-focused on him watching him in the first half because I just wanted to see his runs, what he was doing off the ball, just to make sure that it wasn't just me – trying to portray how bad he had been playing, and it didn't lie. I mean, the, the things, what's happening is he's doing a lot of lateral runs, but they're not even that good, <laughs> like they used to be before. Like, when he was going to the lateral sides, like, he was he used to go with some pace and some vengeance and some purpose, and now he's kind of doing it out kind of, like, oh, I gotta, gotta move over here to the left. He, like, <laughs> runs over there, kind of, and then he stops, does a lot of walking. Yeah. I mean, like I said, he had some... I would say better shots on gold this, this game, obviously he scored a really nice goal uh, doing that chip. But again, he, you know, I'd say a couple of things. He's not pushing those center backs up to create the space behind him for the midfield. And I think that's, what's lacking where he used to go through the middle and make those runs. The other thing too, Brian, when was the last Suarez header goal that happened?
1: Oh, it's been a while.
0: Yeah. I can't remember the last one. Right. And, that's another thing that's for me like Suarez is a is a physical specimen as well, right? No one wants to mess with him as much. We never give him service from the side for him to attack with the head. And now with Griezmann who we have another good header, I don't understand why that can't be implemented. I know that, I know that, you know, our style is to work the ball around the box and try to get shots and try to get those opportunities, but we are way past that now. And we just need to get goals. And so to me, I want to see a couple more times where they give Suarez serves because what does that do, Brian? It makes the the fullbacks defend. Right. And you never know where you're going to get. Just like on the Paris goal, you take a shot from the box, you get a rebound, goal, right? You never know what's going to happen. Just like from the Mighty Ducks, man, you clean up that trash, right? <laughs> like you just got to do those things. And especially since we don't have Messi, we're not playing the beautiful Barca style that we we love, we have to figure out other ways to get goals, and those are other options that we have to look at. Especially with, you know, Griezmann and Suarez both in the box, they can both attack those those headers, and just giving another option uh, for the fullbacks on other teams to defend. But why did he play the full ninety? <laughs> <It's like, laughs> because there I, there were no forwards. I know, but this is this is what I'm saying is the the ideology. You know what I'm saying? Like just go to a four four two. You know, take him out. Put Griezmann and Perez up top, and then it's sure up the 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 midfield. Just put Rakitic in there. Done. Yeah, you know you. What gain do you get out of getting ninety minutes out of Suarez? Yeah, There's no gain. I mean, yeah. the thing is, I would rather have him have played seventy minutes in this match. He did his job. He scored a goal. That's great. He scored the game winner, right? Because it's the first goal. They didn't score anything back. So great. Good on him. Seventy minutes. Then use him for Inter. And he's good to go. He's got those extra 20 minutes in those legs. And who knows what's going to happen. I mean, with these games coming midweek, we have to conserve those minutes, especially
1: Lumpy Suarez. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Look out for Lumpy. Man. It's like, do you even care? Look out for Lumpy. (laughs) Yeah. Again, I I just, you know, he is the king of using the
0: season as preseason. Right. (laughs) And – Remember last season how great he was playing in November and October in the Classico? So yeah. this is where the trend we're heading in, and that's fine. But at the same time, we can't waste like his preseason now just to get him focused when we can easily put Griezmann in his position and get a better
1: output. Yeah, and this goes back to a lot of the things that we've been talking about. You know, you mentioned the campaign that we've been mounting to get Bo more minutes. It's not necessarily <laughs> because we're so in love with Toribo, and we think he's so fantastic. I think he's promising. Yeah. And we just sure. we we've seen a little bit and we want to see more, but it's it's even deeper than that. It's we want to see our manager manage the resources that he has better. Exactly. And that includes not making PK and Longley play every minute of every game.
0: That's the thing. And when I was watching this other video too, they were bringing up the point that, you know, when we had Luis Enrique, he was a a maniac like you, Brian, he's right. a maniac of fitness, right? Our team was so fit under Luis Enrique. We could outwork, outrun because he, you know, Luis Enrique loved that aspect of it. He's a triathlete, right? So he knows these things. And now we have the kind of the opposite where Evie is not the most, he doesn't put fitness as the most important. We're seeing with these injuries now and the way he manages at the end of the season lately in the campaigns that it's so important to manage those times and minutes. And like with the Dembele injury, you know, it's it's really unfortunate again because we love watching him. And maybe, you know, either the team or Dembele needs to implement a track coach, you know, because maybe he needs a different way of stretching or a different outside-the-box thinking than just the regular physios that Barca has. And again, I want to – but just like you said, managing the resources, and we have outstanding resources, and we just want better performances – By managing those resources so hopefully i'm really curious i'm always curious now to see what valverde does from game to game and especially against inter uh do we go with some subs do we does he treat that game as the most important game so far what do we do and yeah so we'll see i mean again just like uh al davis used to say we just win right i mean just get these wins and just put us in the pack
1: yeah that's, that's a real – that's a far cry from a commitment to excellence. but
0: <laughs> Very good, Brian. I like it. I, I like I it. Grew I grew up like in it. the LA area know, when I the know, Raiders were there. I know. I I'm like fa- it. I like I'm it. I'm familiar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, if you judge this overall performance, just if you watch the match and everything, I mean, it wasn't, you know, the best performance by any means. But, again, I would rather take this type of performance where we have a shutout and we take advantage of the opportunities. I mean – Again, we're not going to be ticky-tack anymore. You just have to accept it. And I would rather, if we're going to do this, then do it. But I would rather have Griezmann at number nine. That's sure. my my biggest my biggest thing, and just put Suarez at the end of the game. Where you're going to maximize the effort of both players.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he won't be so lumpy.
0: Exactly. He'll be yeah. less lumpy. Right? Less lumpy. <laughs> less lumpy.
1: Suarez now with fewer lumps. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we'll see how how those resources are managed this week against Inter.
0: Barca Talk is a production of Sound It Media, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing and post-production by Brian Henderson. Social media and promotion by 2.0. Support the show on Patreon. Find a link in the show notes or in the support page at barsatalk.net. Until next time, visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network.